The main theme in our readings today is the growth of the kingdom of God, whether in the individual or the entire church itself. It is a work of God, not of man. There are many who are anxious about those who are away from the faith, especially close friends and family members. And people wonder, what did I do wrong? Or what more can I do to bring those friends and family back to the faith? Jesus gives not only what we should do, but also gives us hope for the future. Oftentimes these questions start from a false premise, saying, what did I do wrong or what should I do? But Jesus gives us the way forward. The first parable, the farmer does not understand how the seed grows. He merely sows the seed and is responsible at the very end for the harvest. It's interesting that no tilling is mentioned, no watering the crop, no pesticides. The farmer simply does his job of spreading the seed, then at the end, he's responsible for the harvest. This is a great example for evangelization. Our job is to plant the seed, but it's God who provides the growth. He provides the rain, and he provides the fruitfulness. The farmer sleeps and rises and goes about his business, seemingly completely uninvolved in the situation other than the initial sowing of the seed. So the lesson for us is to be patient and put faith in God. I remember a young man who was considering coming to the Catholic faith, and he wanted a faith that squared with his values. He noticed Catholicism did not match up on some contemporary moral issues. So as he was talking with me, saying, I'm looking for a faith, I'm looking for a God that represents these values that I have. I first mentioned to him, we all inherit our values from somewhere, and sometimes those places are good, and sometimes those places are bad. And our values are not tried and true. I'm only 31. Other people who are contemplating these issues, they're 19, 14, 9. What value do we have in the values we've received? We've only been on this earth for such a short time. So we have to ask the question eventually, where do these values come from? And we need to weigh these values with respect to objective truth, with respect to who God is and who we are. I said to this young man, I said, if the God who created us and our human nature walked the earth and gave us a path to him, that was specific to our humanity, we have to take seriously that invitation. It's not like some random person walking the earth. This is the God who created us and our human nature and invites us very particularly into a relationship with him. It is not about finding a God or a faith that agrees with our values and preconceptions. It is understanding who God is and what is within us, what human nature is, and bringing our values in line with what we know to be true. The startling thing about this is this young man was worried that it was a battle between his own values inside him and the God who might exist, this God who might be calling him to something more. But in reality, God is on both sides of the equation. It's not like we're fighting against God. The same God who without us is drawing us towards him is the exact same God who created us, gave us our conscience. 
if we simply look deep within ourselves and know what our human nature corresponds to, that we're meant for something more than just seeking pleasure or honor or money, that we're meant to correspond to something greater than ourselves, to a love that's so much greater than ourselves. It's actually God who's advocating for us within us also. He brings us into line with himself, not against our will, but by fully illuminating our intellect, what we know to be true, revealing our nature and our goodness to ourselves, so we begin to yearn for what we are created for. That's how this process takes place. God is on both sides of the equation. He's on the outside bringing us to him and the inside through our conscience and our very human nature that was created in his image and likeness. It's much like the inner principle of the seed. The farmer didn't instill in the crop the ability to grow. Somehow this small seed is scattered and of its own nature suddenly begins to sprout, grow, provides it shoot the grain. All of these principles are interior to the plant. The farmer did nothing. God created the nature of that crop so that it would grow and eventually put forth its fruit. It's a mysterious thing that God giving something a nature to provide its growth all in a certain way. And it yields a particular fruit. You don't plant corn and soybeans come up. You plant corn and corn comes up. That's the fruit that it yields. But it's part of the nature of the plant. The farmer doesn't determine what seed, what plant the seed becomes. I was struck by another story. There was a dear friend of mine who's not Catholic, and I remember he said, I love how every religion thinks that they cornered the market on God. And I thought about that statement for a moment. And I said to him, that's not true. In the Catholic faith, it is God who has cornered the market on me. I recall all the times in my life where I disagreed with church teaching. And yes, I mean, we have to evaluate everything. I inherited my own values that did not square with the values of God and the teachings of the church. But those moments were not moments for me to abandon the church. They were moments to evaluate, okay, where do my values come from? What do I need to seek? What basis should I hold certain values over other values? And every single time, I was proved to be wrong. Every time. God has cornered the market on me. He hasn't moved once. Everything that I disagreed with, everything that I had tension with, he resolved that tension in time through process of learning, through study, through arguing and talking with my friends. Eventually, he showed himself to be right every single time. And this shouldn't be surprising. He's the God of the universe, and he gave me my human nature. He knows what is most fulfilling and meaningful for me. He's on both sides of the equation. He's inviting me to himself from without, and he's working within me through my conscience and through my own intellect that he gave me to know what is the truth and to be drawn by goodness. God has cornered the market on me. It's interesting in our parable we hear the words, when the crop is ripe, that's the time for the harvest. But this is not the actual Greek words. This is not a correct translation. 
The translation literally reads, when the crop allows or permits. It almost gives intentionality to this crop. It doesn't say when the crop is ripe. It says when the crop allows or permits. And this is also a great lesson for us in evangelization. Once we scatter the seed, we don't push the matter. We have to respect individual freedom. This takes time and patience. It's when the crop yields, when the crop permits or allows. We have to wait for the other person to come to us and to say, tell me more about this. Or when a person comes to us and says, I think I'm ready to look more into the Catholic faith. Can you point me in the direction to do that? And if someone ever says that to you, you're on the hook. I mean, you, you have got to be with them for the whole way. Whatever their, wherever their journey takes them, you're now their lifeline. And it's your job to faithfully be with them through the entire process, wherever it leads. If you are so privileged to have someone say to you, I'm interested in learning more about the faith, can you help me? You are on the hook for that person. And you have to do your job to accompany them the entire way, wherever it leads. We have to wait for the crop to permit, to allow, and respect individual freedom no matter what. And a lot of this takes patience, and it could be decades. But that's all right. At the end of the day, God is eternal. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows everything that's going to happen. We need to take on a little more of the patience of God, who's been around here long, far longer than we ever have, far longer even before creation. The second parable we have today also gives us a great cause for hope and consolation. Whereas the first parable really applies to the growth of the faith within an individual, the second parable applies to the growth of the faith within the church. It's amazing. It's still a work of God and not of man. Who could imagine that the humble beginnings of the church, Jesus' teaching and working miracles and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, he likens it to the smallest of seeds, to think that Jesus' ministry, mere decades after his death and resurrection, that the church would expand to the entire known world of the Holy Roman Empire. Well, at the time, just the Roman Empire didn't become holy. Well, it never was holy. Anyways, we'll just drop that title. It spread to the entire Roman Empire. And soon after that, it spread to every nation and tongue. Literally so that all of the birds, not just some of them, all of the birds take refuge in its branches. That's how amazing this growth of God within the church is. There's not a single nation or language that the church does not speak. It's now encompassed everything. Because God provides the growth. The growth of the individual, the life of faith of the individual, and the life of faith of the church, all of it is a work of God, not of man. Our lesson here is to be patient. We scatter the seed. God gives the growth. Of course, we desire the best for our loved ones, but it's God's work. I've seen so many young men and women eagerly questioning everything. And many of them have grown into the most beautiful, faithful people. 
who are absolutely indefectible to the church, its foremost champions of the faith. So we have faith in God, and we ought to take a lesson from the parable not to be anxious or lose sleep. The farmer scatters the seed, and then what happens? He sleeps and he rises and goes about his business. Yes, we're concerned for the salvation. We're concerned for the faith in the ones that we love. But we need to entrust this to the Lord. It shouldn't cost us anxiety. It shouldn't cause us anxiety, cost us sleep. We have faith in God because we know that the growth of faith in the individual and in the church is a work of God, not a work of man.